0: You when know, we talk about senior pastors owning the missions vision in their church. That doesn't mean you don't need a missions pastor. But the missions pastor and the senior pastor need to be allies. They need to be working together. And, and I've talked to too many missions pastors who feel like they're pushing against the entire flow of the church or focus. And, and uh, these men understand how to work with their elders and leaders, whether their role is senior or as missions pastor. Uh, right here at the end of the table, this is Kevin Edwards. Maybe you know Kevin. Uh, he's a dear friend to me, a great partner in ministry, but Kevin serves as the missions pastor at Grace Community Church. Uh, next to him is John Reisdyke, and John is the senior pastor of Soldotna Bible Chapel uh, in Alaska. And I had a chance to be at his church uh, and visit with him this last year and just really excited about what they're doing. Next to John is uh, Tim Carnes. Tim is the missions pastor here at Calvary Bible Church, great partner in ministry as well. And next to me is Steve Leston, uh, who recently has been serving at Kishwaukee, Kishwaukee Bible Church. Um... And uh, Steve actually used to be on staff with Scott Ardavanis many years ago uh, back at Grace DuPage in the Chicago area. And uh, I've recently become acquainted with Steve, but very impacted by his thoughtfulness and commitment to missions as a pastor. So what we want to do is just dialogue on some questions. You guys got mics in front of you. So whoever wants to answer, feel free to answer. And we'll try to get as much good thoughts out there in the time uh, that we have. Uh, one of the questions that I want to pose to you is, is how is your missions program structured in your church? And I want you to, at the same time, comment, as what is the role of the senior pastor in that? What does it look like? How is it structured by way of leadership? And uh, what's the role of the senior pastor in practically leading your missions program? So it's all yours, whoever wants to jump in.
1: Well, we have a great senior pastor at our church, <laughs> and he loves missions and missionaries. And Scott, exactly what you were just saying, uh, it all flows from that. And, you know, when Pastor John gets up and bleeds missions, which he does whenever you prick him, he bleeds the gospel, um, you know, the whole church benefits from that. So it, it really starts from the top. And uh, if you are a senior pastor, I'd encourage you to you know, plug missions like, like, like Scott said weekly if you can, you know. And as you're going through the, through the text, just light people on fire for the gospel being taken around the world.
2: Go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. All right um, the uh, missions and evangelism team at our church is one of five in, in important uh, ministries that we have. Uh, it's made up of nine, uh, deacon-qualified individuals, and then we have a representative elder on that board as well who who gives oversight to that board and also is a liaison between that group and the elder board that meets, both of them meet monthly, and uh, the the elder board meets more than that. We meet a couple times a month, and uh, so if anything comes up that uh, that we need to deal with, because often there's sensitive issues that come up with missions, I'm sure most of you know that, and, um, uh, whether it's someone in the family, uh, that has a, has someone that wants to be supported or some missionary that currently is supported and there's something that they wish we could do more and that the committee really feels that we can at this time and, uh, expresses that to the elder board and how, how are we to deal with that in a loving and a humble way? And so we interact on, on that level uh the elder board itself uh gives uh a, they set policy and the uh the missions the missions team or, or committee they facilitate the, the ministry that we have and in facilitating that ministry uh often they they're right hands on with it. So if there's something within the policy that doesn't work very well then they'll come to us and say, this isn't working very well. We need to change the policy. But policy is important. It is your safety net. And um, so when you establish certain things and a question comes up uh, with who are we going to support or what our priorities are, if it's written down, then you're safe. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you're dealing with relationships. And relationships are very, very uh i mean it can get really sensitive and so it's important to have a safety net so we they set policy uh they they t- touch base with the the missions uh team uh, about that um they also deal with sensitive issues um they uh they approve the budget every year and give guidance to the to the uh mission board and uh as far as the budget goes and and, and so that's uh, kind of how it's structured. Um, as far as the senior pastor is concerned, in my opinion, uh, I, I'm the pastor, mission pastor, is that what he says? Um, listen, I, I, believe, I believe the pastor has to set the tone and has to instill the passion for missions. And I, I was told a, a long time ago when I was a youth pastor that if I don't get excited about the ministry, the children are never going to get excited about it. And, and you know what? The great thing is you don't have to get excited about missions. Listen, guys, the, to me, when when I think of all that my Lord and Savior did for me, so he called me and chose me before the foundation of the world. He redeemed me. He justified me. He put me in the ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. He's made me His ambassador. You understand how great that is? And He is... Why? Right? Why? And out of love and pure gratitude... For my Saviour, I want to do what He's called me to do. What He's commissioned me to do. He told me before He left that He wants us to preach the world and all preach the gospel in all the world. He wants us to make disciples. He wants us to baptize them. He he wants us to train them and so they'll obey everything that He says. That's the Great Commission. And he says, go out from, I want you to do that in Jerusalem, in your home community. I want you to do it in Samaria. I want you to do it around the world. And that, and to me, that's important. And this is why I'm going to tell you why I love the Master's Academy International. Because the only way you can do that is if you know the Word of God. You cannot train people what Jesus said if you don't know the Word. The Word is what's key. It is God breathed. God reveals Himself in it. It's profitable for teaching and correction and reproof and training and righteousness. And that's why Paul said to Timothy right after that, preach the Word, preach the Word in season, out of season. Why? Because people need reproof. They need correction. They need training in righteousness. They need to learn how to obey. And when, when, when I, I've gone to Samara myself, and, and when I see those guys being trained, they're brilliant. I mean, I said they know way more than I do. But when I go and I, I listen to to the things that they're telling me, and I go to homiletics class, and I hear those guys so passionate about the Word. And I know that they're getting solid teaching, teaching that has integrity. You know what that does for me as a pastor? It puts me at ease because I know that there are men who are getting a solid foundation theologically who can go out and defend the faith and can teach and preach the Word of God. That's what it's about. That's what missions is. Those are the ones who are called in evangelism, according to Ephesians chapter four. They're gifted men. They're gifted. They they have been. Uh, they're a gift of God to the church, and we need to support them and love them and pray for them. And and, and this is what the Masters Academy is doing. And um, and. For one, I, I mean, my job is to set the tone and, and, to, um, and to instill passion. And, and I can't help but do that out of gratitude and love for the Lord. I need to encourage those people. I think God has gifted the church and give pa- giftedness to the church and I'm so glad people are involved in our missions committee and I want to come alongside them and encourage them and lift them up and because frankly they do a lot of stuff that's really I, I was going to say grunt work um, they have to evaluate missionaries every year a third of our th- Our our people. They got to set the budget. They got to do a lot of stuff, just administration stuff. And it's a thankless job a lot of times, but it takes a lot of work. And you know what? They do it. And that gives me time to focus on what God's called me to do. But I'm going to go and I'm going to thank them and praise them and affirm them in front of our whole congregation and let them know what they're doing i want to make sure that they appreciate all the work that these these folks are doing and then i want to pray for them i want to give them guidance when when tmi when we are first introduced to it i'm taking too long huh a little bit uh,
0: um. <laughs> but i love
2: I love the ah! passion anyway <laughs> I want to go and tell them about it and say, let's, let's start to move this direction. How can we do it? You know, so, and then we brought in Jay Letty and, and I want to bring guys in that are going to stir them and they don't just have to hear my voice and, and, and that kind of thing. So that's what I see as my part. But, but listen, how can you not get excited in light of all that Jesus has done for you? Amen. Thank you,
3: John. I, love that. <laughs> I didn't bring my sermon, Mark. Were we supposed to?
0: No, no, you're good. <laughs> Talk to us, okay. Tim. How do you structure missions here? And,
2: and, uh... I gave you your
0: chance.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah. You did. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> um, we have a what we call a missions leadership team here, and we intentionally named it that way. Okay. Um, team is important. A lot of churches have committees, boards. But we want to recognize they're functioning together as a team. And we call it the leadership team because we want also the, the team to recognize they're part of the body. They're not just an isolated group in a room somewhere, but they're to provide help and direction and leadership and connection to the mission of the church, uh, particularly those that we support outside. So we have a, a missions leadership team. Um, I'm a part of that. We make sure there's an elder that's connected to that, that's intimately involved, that's part of the team. Um, And also, too, just in regards to what John was saying with the senior pastor or the the pastor-teacher role, it is so important, as Scott was talking about, that the senior pastor is on the field and visiting. Now, there's a danger uh, with that. Uh, I was a pastor-teacher here at Calvary for several years. I started going on the mission field, and guess what happened? I want to do it more. And so I'm actually not in that role anymore so that I can devote more time to being on the field. But that's just uh, when you see the need. Yeah. And I think that's important because you saw John's passion. You go and see the need that, that the men face overseas. You will be affected. You will come back and you will affect your, your people. So make sure those of you who are in that role, go. Go at least once or twice a year um, and have, make sure that you're sending teams or sending individuals from your church. That among anything else will will bleed out. I mean, I, I thought you were going to pass out there for a minute. You're so passionate, but but you saw Scott up there too, right? Yeah. So that's just encourage, encourage a, and make a way financially for for your pastor to go and to be connected. Let me just comment
0: on your uh, on what you were saying about going. Uh, we heard Scott say and, and others. Something interesting happens because when you come back, you look at your own community through a different lens and you realize the nations in many ways are also in your own backyard. I mean, John, I know one of your pastoral staff, you guys are committed to reaching native Alaskans, you know, so it's not just over there. It's you're accountable, right? in your own community and mobilizing your church for local outreach and and ministry as well. And sometimes those two things can get separated in a church, local outreach and missions, like they're competing with each other. Um, Local outreach is not an alternative to missions, but we need to be faithful on both, right, wherever God plants us, and it changes your vision for
3: your church in the local community as well. I know you guys are very committed to local outreach. Yeah, our mission team actually... Our local evangelism is part of the mission team. It's not just missionary focused. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, I know it's true at Grace as well. I mean, just hand and glove working. All right, Steve, talk to us. Right. Well, Sorry, Steve, we're out of time.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what should I say here. Um, ours is pretty simple. Um, we decided that the first thing we needed to do as a church is we were evaluating our missions over the past uh this is maybe 10 years ago or so but thinking this through and realizing that missions is not a subset of the church you know it's not it's not a subcategory like youth group sunday school yes. nurse, you know these kind of things it's 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 the practical point it's it's to extend so we decided well we got to restructure our elder meetings and uh and and we have to sit down as an elder board and say when we sit down to meet, what are we going to talk about? And so we're going to talk about following Jesus, caring for the body, and advancing the kingdom. And, uh, and, and and anything that doesn't fit on that agenda, we'll take care of via email. So that we can actually just sit down. If somebody wants to buy a new, you know, communication system for the nursery, send me an email. I don't really need to gather on a Thursday night and and talk about that. You know, I'm going to just say... Do you need it? And then I'm going to say, okay, then buy it. So um, I don't need a big meeting and a, and the nursery department coming in with, you yes, know, 50,000 yes. flyers on all the different communication systems and why they picked this one. And, and they went to 10 different churches and you're just, oh, you know, yawning. So, yeah. Sorry, a little venting of elder, <laughs> elder meetings of the past. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Priorities. Priorities. We are disciples of Christ. We are to love each other, and we're to advance the kingdom. And so when we meet as a leadership team, that's what we're talking about. And then however that plays out, however we need to mobilize the body to advance the kingdom, we'll mobilize the body. So it's not highly structured. As much as it is, it just has become a core DNA of the church. So then – because the entire body is a part of being a disciple, following Jesus – it's, it's we're not necessarily, you know, by the way, I'm not dissing missions committees, uh, but but particularly uh, we just decided we're all the missions committee. So let's just start mobilizing people. If we need 10 people to do something, then we call 10 people to do it. Um, practically, one of the things we try to do is connect um, a ministry to a missionary. So that's one practical thing that we've done. Very good. And then the second practical thing is that each missionary does have a body-life care team, some people in the body that are just committed to care. So those are two things that we have structured. Very good.
0: Yeah, I have to comment on something you said, and I alluded to it earlier. When a senior pastor has no interest or doesn't feel competent to lead the mission's vision in their church and isn't preaching that way, when they delegate the mission's responsibility, it can be an elder, a committee, a missions pastor, whatever, Particularly as Americans, we think in terms of flow charts, senior pastor, and then we line it up this way. Children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, missions. And what we just did is we put missions on equal status with all those other ministries. And then we isolate them, and it works kind of in that channel over here. What you have to do, and this is what these guys are saying, when it's led from the top and all the elders own the vision for the purpose of the church in the world, then you ask a different question. How does our children's ministry advance the Great Commission? What are we doing by way of opportunities for outreach through our children's ministry? What's our youth ministry doing? What's our worship ministry doing? Okay. Everybody thinks differently when they understand they're part of the greater purpose of the church. But we've got to get out of this American kind of flow chart mentality. And, uh, again, regain kind of the, the
4: primacy uh, of fulfillment of the Great Commission. So... Can I add one thing to that? Just yeah. Only take a second. I <laughs> Go promise. For it, huh? um, one of the things we put on our staff is to say the staff's job is to ensure mission alignment. Uh, is, is what we're overseeing aligned to the mission? Because if you're not advancing, you're on the bad side of uh, Jesus' words. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. he takes this really seriously. We don't bury the treasure in the sand. Because then we're with wicked and worthless. So we need to be advancing. Hell builds gates. The gospel tears them down, right? And that's what we're here for. And so staff's job is mission alignment. It has to tie to the mission. So um,
0: Let's talk a little bit about the shepherding work of missionaries. You've alluded to it a couple of How do your elders actually participate in the shepherding of missionaries, sometimes counsel and care? Kevin, you can talk about sure. that. Sure.
1: Yeah, at Grace, we have about 40 elders. Eight of those oversee the area of missions. And they're all intimately involved and have been literally for decades. So the relationships are deep. We don't have a whole lot of uh, rules and regulations Uh, at our church. It's more relationships. And, yes, that is complicated and difficult. But uh, when you have decades of history with people, um, you know, and so we visit our people often um I do very often and we gather all of our church's missionaries every two years we bring them all back because we want to have time with them, their families, not just the men but their families their children and uh, that's a really key time too to shepherd them and and uh, you know make sure that they're being encouraged equipped and even when you do something like that the uh, more experienced missionaries encourage and, and help the younger missionaries and you know, the younger missionaries encourage the older missionaries too. So, all around, it's it's an excellent thing to do, kind of a family gathering like that, and everyone looks forward to it. So maybe that's something you could do as a church. Not just have a, you know, you can have a missions conference, right, where you bring the missionaries in to work for you and tell the church about the, you know, about the what's going on. And that's great. They need to report to the church. That's that's vital. But how about a missionary conference where you bring them in just to serve them and encourage them and equip them so that they're ready to go back and serve the Lord in an even better way after that. So we do that every two years.
0: Yeah, it's a great distinction to make.
1: Repeat the question.
0: As a pastoral team and elders, how do you practically shepherd your mission look they're on the front lines they're engaged in the battle life's hard uh when there's crisis or even conflict among missionaries uh how actively involved are your pastors and elders in in caring for missionaries
2: well the nice thing about living in alaska is that everyone wants to come back in the summer um so we do see our missionaries quite often um And whenever they're, whenever they're home, we make sure they know they're loved. And we, we take care of them, we talk to them about ministry issues that come up. It's like, it's like anything else. Trials, trials bring patience that ultimately lead to maturity, right? And sometimes I think missionaries just need someone they can talk to who, you know, just, uh, that they feel very safe with, and they can, they can just open their hearts to. And, and before I was at the Bible Chapel, I was a uh, pastor at, uh, a Baptist church, and I, I knew a lot of the things that missionaries face on deputation from Bible translations to whatever, and I would mess with their minds constantly. The missionaries who came through, and I did that a little bit at first, just so I could let them know, I love you, I realize that you have to, it's almost like they're walking on pins and needles because they don't know what one pastor's going to say and another. And I want any missionary that comes through to meet our elders, to be in their homes for dinner, to be able to talk with them, and You know what I I have found like with other people, some of them really identify with me. Some of them really identify with another elder when they're and they can open up their hearts and we can pray with them and share with them and walk through the word with them. And I want them to always think I love going to the Bible Chapel. I love this place because I can be transparent and I know I'll be accepted no matter what. And that's that's what I want a missionary to feel when they leave our church, is that that they know we care, and if they have a need on the field, no matter when it is or what time, they can call us, they can they can um, email us, and they know they'll get a response immediately. I I love missionaries because I grew up in a home no one my, no one I, my dad wasn't a pastor, but the pastor never visited my home. Ever. But missionaries came to my house all the time. And, and my parents love missionaries. My mom canned so many tomatoes for missionaries. She, she made so many mittens and hats and everything. And all I, all I know is that missionaries love my parents and I, I want the Bible Chapel to be a sanctuary where P, where missionaries feel like they're loved and cared for like no other place. And, and I, I hope, uh, my desire would be that they feel that way in every church. And they're honored people. Because they are special. They, they give up so much. I, going out to the field, I'll tell you, I, uh, many times I say, there's no way I could do that. It's a calling. And brother, I tell you what, it is a calling. To go out there i don't care if it's in bush alaska or whether it's in russia or whether it's in mexico it is a calling and they need us to love them and uh and whatever comes up comes up that's all in god's hands and i just like i would shepherd my people i would shepherd them that's all i can say
3: excellent excellent i think the only thing i'd add to that is just um being there, sending people to be with them where they are, um, I think, is part of a you know short-term mission. But, but being able to see them in their context and spend time with the family, uh, I think, can be a great opportunity just to shepherd. We've seen in several situations uh, issues in the home or concerns there that we'd never know about. But seeing them in their context, we're able to come alongside and hopefully lovingly just say, hey, Help them with, with whatever they're struggling with. And so bring them back. I think grace does an amazing thing in doing that, bringing them back, but also making sure you, you go to them and not just the pastor. Some folks can go with you and, um, just bring your wife or others and be, be, be a servant to them and in, in their home. That's another great way to, to shepherd them. Thank you. Very good. Yeah.
4: We would go same thing. Go visit them, care for them. We assign an elder to a missionary. And uh, once a year have a conversation that we say this is not connected to your support. You can talk about whatever you want. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and then everything else these guys said. Yeah. Very good. I mean, you have
0: to understand as a pastor, there's a temptation missionaries face to put on their best face when they come home. But that creates a very lonely missionary. And if they think they can only come back to tell success stories, then that puts uh, an inappropriate pressure on them. And frankly, it's inconsistent with our doctrine of the sovereignty of God. If God's going to change people's hearts and lives, the issue is their faithfulness. But they're human, and they struggle just like you do in the ministry and just like families in your church. And so you've got to be purposeful in removing, uh, I think, that barrier. Uh and that's great to celebrate the victories do that too right but also walk with them in their hurts and uh, that's what i'm hearing you men say John. one
2: quick example um we did a we did a biblical uh biblical counseling uh, uh conference and it was for uh the pastors and the missionaries in the bush and we brought in Wayne Mack and we flew in anyone who wanted to come uh, so that they could ask questions and get information because they deal with so much, I mean, suicide abuse, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times they don't have someone personally that they can talk to. So that's one of the things that we did to shepherd them is we brought in someone and then flew them to where we were at so that they would be ministered to by Dr. Mack. Wonderful. So.
0: right, I'm going to ask one last question. I am watching the clock. But watch, uh, I want to ask this question, but I have to preface it because, uh, admittedly all these guys are, uh, big supporters and their churches of TMAI. So this is not intended to be a commercial. Okay. Um, but I want to ask this question cause we all have to wrestle with it. What priorities have you defined for your missions program and what was the process for establishing these priorities? You know, you've got to work through that. How did you work through that? What are you going to invest in? Um, how'd
4: you think through that? And, and, uh. What'd you come out with? Okay, Steve. Um, we've got four principles that we've kind of have, have wrestled down through. A lot of these uh, principles came out of just the heartache that comes when you're dealing with understanding what missions is and what missionaries do. If somebody wants to do puppet shows or something in a country, is that missions and that kind of thing? So, and that's a real story. Um, <laughs> I believe it. I do. <laughs> but there are four four main. Four main priorities that oversee the missions. First is 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 the gospel, clear presentation. This is a work of proclaiming Christ the Savior and Judge of, of the world. And and so the ministry has to align to that. Second is the church. That 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 Christ is has done this work to create a church to form a church. That church exists to advance. That's the third priority. So so gospel, church, mission, the mission of the church, that the church is to reproduce. And the fourth is scripture, that all of this is rooted and grounded directly in the word of God. So missions, for us, in order to engage any kind of missions element, those four things have to be present. And those four things align to one other general principle. And the general principle is that this is about making disciples who are established in the scriptures, who are rooted and grounded so that they're not tossed around. And when they become established, they will be committed to Christ, they'll be committed to his church, they'll be create, committed to multiplication. So those are general principles, we, and they, they lock in and inform the decision. Hence, the idea of not only advancing somebody going in an evangelistic capacity, but then the reality of establishing that comes in behind and, and making sure that, that that as the gospel leads forward and churches are formed, that there's a rooting and grounding in the scriptures. And that this is going on to multiply because the commission goes to the end of the age, not just to the end of the first century. So, Very good. Thank you.
3: And I think what we did to try to practically work that out is, when um, we recognized about 15 years ago, we had one of those... Situations where we had a mission committee somewhere doing something we had no idea. We had 60 or 70 missionaries. All that you said at the beginning of our conference was going on here. And um, so the big thing was, and Scott said it about 87 times: repentance. <laughs> we recognized we were there was a problem. We weren't honoring Christ by because we had diminished the mission. And so we set out to, to look to the Scripture, and you know. Obviously, the Great Commission, um, Acts 1-8, Colossians 1-28-29, those are framing texts. But then looking in the book of Acts as to how did, you know, there was some mission, a little bit of mission work going on in Acts, right? And so just what were some principles that seemed to, to be fleshed out, um, not fleshly, fleshed out uh, in the early church? And so looking at Paul and the others and how they um, approached mission, um, that provided. So for us, that gave us a paradigm just in terms of prioritization where church planting is a priority as we look at mission opportunities. Um, we look at church planting, then church strengthening those roles uh, like TMEI, which come alongside and equip pastors that strengthen the church. Uh, then we looked at the ministries that really focus on evangelism and coming alongside churches in that way. And so that's where a lot of the local ministries, we have a number of local ministries we support because a lot of churches jump over the ocean, but they miss the needs locally. And like you said, Mark, I appreciate that. There's, yeah. So that's our third in our prioritization. And then we look at um, just support roles. So we've put kind of percentages in terms of prioritizing each of those, church planning, church strengthening. Um, evangelism and then support roles, and that's, that kind of gives us a paradigm. And then there's kind of a fourth, and that is if someone is homegrown, that we've raised up in the church, we give them high priority in terms of support, even if it's one of the lower um, echelon things, because they're a part of us, and we want to encourage that in our body. So that's kind of a another factor that we consider.
0: Yeah, I was asking this question of Tom Pennington. Some of you know Tom, and they led their church through a similar process, and they came up with a kind of an axis. And they prioritize kinds of ministry, and then they prioritize a proximity of a relationship to the church. And so where those two things triangulate uh, uh, informs their choices by way of level of support and things like that. So you can become very thoughtful and intentional in this. And I think that's what you were getting at with regard to policy, John, is, is you've thought through these are the kinds of things we're going to invest in. So when someone just shows up and says, hey, would you support my daughter who's going to go dig a well somewhere? Uh, you 've got some framework in place to evaluate whether that 's your top priority or not, Scott was sarcastic. That was my shot at it so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: well I, I, you know as far as priorities on who we bring on as a missionary or priorities of our mission of our missions committee, um, I agree with these guys. frontline missions is what our priority is and and that's what our missions policy says, and yet, um, you know, it's it is easy to get a lot of people in support roles, whether they're doing secretarial work or mechanic work, or they're a plumber, or they're a tech person, or whatever. And and you can fill up your midget budget, your not midget mission budget, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, your minute budget, um, with all support roles. And you know what I found in our church is what who people get really excited about are the people who are on the front line sharing the gospel and doing things for the Lord, and we want to keep that as a, at the forefront. And so those people who are involved in, in church planning or training church uh, uh, planters, um, who are doing translation work so that discipleship can be done. Those things are a first priority to us more so than even a secretary, uh, or someone from our church in that way. Um, we like to have a relationship with everyone, but I I really feel that the evangelism that we see being done. And I realize that agencies need all those people, but, what I see in the book of Acts, and where, where do we get our priorities from the Bible, um, I, I really see in the book of Acts them going out and they're, they're establishing churches, they're discipling people, and that's where I want the focus of our dollars to be. And um, I, I really feel like we only have so much, so much money, and I want to use it in the wisest possible way. Right? that, And I'm going to do a commercial for you. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, you, Americans today who are in, in missions, and, and I, I love them to pieces, but we get them theologically trained, then what has to happen? Then they've got to learn language, and then they've got to learn culture. Why not train the guys who are there who already know the language, already know the culture? And if they're, you know, we may get thrown out of that country. They stay. And we can train them for a lot less money if we train them right there. And they don't have to leave their families to get trained. They can stay right there. uh, Guys, it makes all the sense in the world. And I want the dollars from our church to make a difference. And from 2006, the way we got started first with TMAI is we started doing special offerings because we didn't have them in the budget. Now our budget it is the highest budgeted part of our of our church budget. but at first, we did a lot of special offerings. We did burger bashes, our VBS did stuff, our Sunday school kids. we have a monthly offering for some need, like um, um, Erwin Quimby had his car breakdown in Philippines. That's what our missions offerings for this month. And the kids are so excited about helping him fix his car. Right. And we want to be a blessing. And, and, you know, our budget is, uh, uh, we have our budget. 20% of it goes to missions right now, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that, which is, we'll just use a rough number, about 120,000. I, as far as special projects and all that with our different missions, it's, it's, uh, two to three times that of, of the money goes out of our church. Because people love missions. And, and the priority is to help those who are on the front lines. And, um, and so I'm. I, I had to do a commercial because I just it's I okay. just love you guys. And what we, our other pastor went to Goa. He comes back. When I go places, I talk to the pastors. I say, what do you need? You feed the pastor. You feed a whole congregation. Listen, I have. To, I went to Sochi to help pastors there. They didn't have anything. I said, you guys need to get connected with TMAI. We're sending you to the Shepherds Conference with them. We we set up a. Uh, uh, for them to fly there. They said, we'll take, we need to take three more pastors from Abkhazia. We'll go on the train. So we paid for their trip. We got them a book stipend. We want them to make connections in Russia. We sent over 60 pastors one year there, and that was all special offerings. Listen, I am telling you, pastors in other countries need our help, and we can go a long ways in helping them. And if you get excited about it, your people will i got to be quiet. Your turn.
0: Amen. <laughs> God bless you, John. All right. <laughs> you good, Kevin? Well, listen, there's so many practical issues that flow out of this, but what you've evidenced this afternoon are men who love the church, who love God's word, but they refuse to delegate their responsibility to lead the mission's endeavor. And um, I believe, uh, even, John, as you're talking, I love your passion, God provides. There are resources in the church to meet needs, and we have to unleash them. Um, But our people have to have a heart to give, and they have to know what to give towards. So thank you for evidencing that. Guys, tremendous. Thank you for joining us today. There's so much wisdom represented here. And our commitment moving forward with TMI is just to try to get more content and more good resources up through our website and, and other things that we can publish to help you and I respond to the need that I hear as I travel around and, and speak to pastors who who want to be resourced up uh, to focus uh, and grow in this area. I want to thank you again for joining us uh, this afternoon. I hope it's been a benefit to you. Uh, we're a whole bunch of passionate people, right, uh, for the glory of God uh, among the nations. So let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful privilege to spend the day Talking about how we can do better in aspiring to lead our churches to be biblical, to be passionate, to be faithful, to be sacrificial, to be good stewards with regard to fulfilling the Great Commission. As we've seen evidence in in the personal testimony and passion, it begins with an understanding of what you've done for us. How can we not give our life away and call our people to do the same? Thank you for saving us and use us in our generation to bring many others to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.